0: Ephesians chapter 3 tonight, Ephesians chapter 3, kind of what I want to, I don't know, we're just going to do this for as long as the Lord leads, but um, on Sunday evenings, I'm wanting to start spending some time preaching messages geared towards families and trying to help, you know, get strong families. Families are in trouble in America, there is an attack on the biblical family, and we're constantly being taught you know things are normal. You know, like two dads, two moms, and all that kind of uh, goofiness. And you know that what they call a traditional family or a biblical family—you know, of a mother and a father and uh, raising children—it's just not. Um, it's not promoted. It's not encouraged. You know, families like my family, especially too. You know, you got a mom and dad, but then when you have six kids, I mean, people really look at you like you're crazy, and you know, there's something wrong. Uh, with these people you know what are you doing you know don't you realize we're having a problem with overpopulation in the world and you know what's wrong with you and uh, I'm just gonna tell you right now I think I mean this world they have no clue what they're talking about when it comes to families just absolutely no clue at all and the Bible I believe it's like we talked about this morning it still fits today okay the Bible fits today as much as it ever did it always will These things that we learn in the Bible, they weren't just for back then. They are for now. However, at the same time, what I want to talk about tonight is I want to talk about the Christian family. Okay? The Christian family. And the reason I want to do this, while you've got a country where the family is falling apart, as a result of that, there are some groups that are out there that have kind of you know that their focus is all on the family. You know, you got like your focus on the family groups, uh, like you know James Dobson, and there's a lot of other Christian organizations that focus completely on the family. And you know, there, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, we need some good teaching on family and child rearing, and you know, good teaching on how to have a strong marriage, all those things. However, in a lot of those groups. Many of those people take this to a new extreme. There's churches out there today that are called like home churches where people are meeting in a home not because that's just all they have and they're eventually wanting to grow into something better. It's because there's a lot of people that literally their focus is completely on their family and they have forgotten that we have been commissioned to something else. You know, Not just to raise our family, but to uh, be you know, Christians and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And an interesting thing about that, you know, these people too, they love, you know, everything's supposed to be family oriented. I'm looking for a family oriented church. You know, I want to, I want a church where I can go and there's no bad kids there that will influence my kids negatively. You know, I want to go to a church where they don't practice the evils of Sunday school and age segregation and, uh, you know, all these things and and, I'm, and these, these people are all alike. And they, a lot of them, they go to a lot of these, um, they're real big into homeschooling, which I'm not against homeschooling. Uh, I homeschool my kids. I think, I think it's a great thing. But they go to a lot of these homeschool conferences and things, and they're taught a lot of things about the family that are actually leading them off a cliff. And I believe the reason these people, while if you were to look at some of these families, if you look at this mom and dad and their kids they have, and they usually have quite a few kids, you are gonna you would be like, wow, look at those kids. Man, these kids are well-behaved. Man, look how nice these kids are. Look at how polite these kids are. But then something happens. They grow up, and they just turn into devils. I mean, and it's like, what happened? These people were so strict. They seemed to be doing everything right. And I believe that the problem was while focusing so much on their family, they forgot about the Christian family. And you cannot do that. I believe one of the things that they are missing, and many people are missing, while focusing on their family, they forget about the Christian family. And the Christian family is so important. And while they love the word family, 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 it's all about the family. Did you know that the word family is only in the New Testament one time? Now, while family is all over in the Old Testament... It's only in the New Testament one time. and it's in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, or verse 15, we're going to read those two verses. It says, "For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named." see that? It's talking about the Christian family. And who are we named after? Okay? What is our family name? Okay? Well, our family name, it's named after the Father of our family. And that just happens to be Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Okay, And that is a family that if you are saved, you are a part of the family of Jesus Christ. And the only time the word family or families is used in the New Testament is talking about the family of Jesus Christ. Okay? Just like my family is named after me. Everybody in my family has the last name McMurtry because they took my name. When my wife married me, she took my name. My kids have all taken my name. And you know, that's a pretty common thing today too. A woman, if she gets married, many times she doesn't take her husband's name. Okay? You know, why is that? Well, feminism is a big part of it. And uh, we're not going to talk a whole lot about feminism tonight because I don't want to get in a bad mood. But uh, at the same time, we're talking about the Christian family. And when a person gets saved, they have a new family And listen, that, and you have a new family name, and that new family name that you have, that Christian family name, I believe it's more important than your earthly family name. Being, you know, because the truth is, the name McMurtry, okay, while I believe it's a good name to a certain extent, well, there's a lot of McMurtry's out there that, you know, thankfully they don't live around here, uh, but, you know, there are some places where McMurtry's not a very good name. You know, there are some places, you know, there's a, I have an uncle, Larry McMurtry, but, uh, and then there's another, there's another Larry McMurtry, though, and he's the one who I guess wrote the Brokeback Mountain story. And yeah, and I'm not proud of that, and, uh, I'm not related to that Larry McMurtry as far as I know, but I've had many people ask me when they find out my last name, hey, are you related to Larry McMurtry? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my uncle. And it's like, oh, really? You know, the author? No, not that one. <laughs> if I was, I wouldn't claim him. But anyway, um, But, you know, the name of Christ, that, I mean, you know, while I'm proud of my, you know, name McMurtry, I'm proud of the family that I come from. I'm thankful for the family that I come from. And and if you feel the same way about your family, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm going to tell you right now, I take much more pride to be a part of the family of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, you know, being a part of an earthly family, you know, it's. You, you can't help the family you're born into, can you? But when we got saved, the Bible says we received the spirit of adoption. I mean, we got picked by God. God, you loved us. He chose us. I mean, what a wonderful thing that is. And I believe it's important that we don't take this name that we've been given lightly. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, one of the Ten Commandments, and I've preached messages on this before. I'm not going to re-preach this message tonight, but one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, that verse is often associated with blasphemy, you know, misusing God's name, you know, saying, oh my, or saying God's name and then putting a swear word at the end of it. But I believe that's blasphemy, and I believe blasphemy and taking God's name in vain can be two different things. For example, and when, it's, when he said, "Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain," he said, "For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain." But in Deuteronomy five eleven, says the same thing. You know, Thou it repeats it. Thou will not take his. Uh, the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. But then in Luke chapter twelve verse ten, Jesus said, And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but unto him that blasphemeth." Against the Holy Ghost it shall not be forgiven. Okay, So you can speak against God. You can speak against the Son. And He'll forgive you. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, that's another subject. But also in Proverbs 30, verse 9, notice it says, lest I be full and deny thee and say who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. I believe for a Christian, while struggling for them to steal... Okay? They're basically saying, I don't believe God can take care of me. And we say that God's our Father, and yet we act like God expects me to steal. God will be okay with me stealing because you know, I'm doing it to you know, save my family. I'm doing it to keep my family from starving to death. Hey, if God's your Father, I think He could probably take care of you. And a child of God should never steal. And when a child of God does certain things... We make God look bad. We hurt the family name, don't we? And you ought to take that serious. The fact that you are a, in the family of Jesus Christ, it should mean something. You know, the fact that, you're a, you know, that I'm a McMurtry, that means some things. There are certain things that people expect from me. There are certain things that you expect from my children that you probably don't expect from other children because you know who their parents are. You know who their dad is. And it's the same thing. People expect certain things from us because we claim to be children of God. And we don't want to take that lightly. We don't want to take that in vain. We don't want to act like it's nothing. We don't want to call ourselves Christians and then go do whatever the world says. And so I believe taking God's name in vain, it's more than just misusing His name, but it's in our behavior we can do that. You know, my wife, when she married me, she took my name, didn't she? She took my name. And it's important that she acts like my wife and not someone else's wife. That would make me look really bad, wouldn't it? You know, and her at the same time. So, you know, many people though, when it comes to the family, and a lot of these family oriented groups, they always try to pattern their families after the way that they did things in the Old Testament. But I want to show you some things that were different for old Testament families than New Testament families. And when you have a biblical mindset where you believe the Old and New Testament. I think it's very clear that there are some things that we are. We're on a different ball field today, okay? We're on we're on different turf. Things work different, and some differences between an Old Testament Jewish family and a New Testament Christian family. And first off, the difference between our family and the families of the Jews back in the Bible days is God hasn't given us a place on earth. For an inheritance, has he? Is there any play is there any nation on this earth that we can look at and claim as ours? No, there isn't, is there? In fact, think about this, you know, do we really own any land? Okay? Now I've got three acres that I guess technically a bank owns, but on my three acres of land, am I allowed to make my own laws and make my own rules? No. You know, I can't even go and build whatever I want on my land, can I? i got to go get permission from a whole bunch of people. I mean, I, I can't, you know, there, there are certain things. You know, here, okay, our church, we own this spot here. But when we did the concrete out there, we had to get a permit for it, didn't we? we had, and we had to pay for that permit. We had to pay them money. You know, there's all kinds of things we have to pay for. If we were to build something, we've got to go to the city. We've got to get permission. We can't make our own laws. We can't, we can't make a law you know, that says certain types of people that we are against are not allowed on the property. You know, we'd get in all kinds of trouble, wouldn't we? I mean, there's all, we don't have a place where we can have our own laws. But you remember, God gave Israel the land of Canaan, didn't He? God gave it to Abraham. He gave him the land of Canaan. And God told, wanted Abraham to go in that land. And God wanted Abraham and his seed to multiply in that land. And God eventually was going to give them His law, wasn't He? God gave the law to Israel, didn't He? And God wanted them to grow. God wanted them to be fruitful and multiply so there would be a nation and there would be a people that would be following the laws of God, following the commands of God, Loving God, serving God. And so it was so important during that time for the children of Israel to be growing, I mean, especially in numbers. That was very important. It would help them to grow in strength. And so God gave them that land so they could have a place where they could follow the law of God. But what is our inheritance? Because God has given us an inheritance, God has given us. A land. He's given us a country. And does anybody know where that's at? Kingdom of heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, after it goes through that hall of faith and it names off all these people like Abraham, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. So you see... We're not here, we're not trying to find a geographical location where we can go and I can have 20 kids and they can have 20 kids and we'll become this mighty people of great number that nobody wants to mess with. Okay? That's not what God's called us to do. But God has called us to grow our family, hasn't He? And how do we grow our family? We go into all the world we preach the Gospel to every creature. We go wherever we can. And just like back in those days... We are strangers and pilgrims on this world. We don't really belong. We don't own anything. We don't have anything in this world of real importance. We can't make our own laws. We can't have our own type of government that we want. We, we're, but we're, we're we're here and we're supposed to be winning as many people to Christ as we possibly can. We should be being fruitful and multiplying. And I'm not telling you not to go have kids. We'll get into that later. But... At the same time, as believers, as New Testament Christians, as a part of the New Testament family of Jesus Christ, our focus, our goal is to be growing in number. And we do that by winning people to Christ. And back then, they didn't do that. They didn't have soul winning back then. Abraham didn't go out soul winning. Abraham tried having kids. And back then too, man, it was a curse for a woman if she wasn't able to bear children. And they wanted to have a lot of kids. And they did have a lot of kids. And they would. They wanted to grow and they wanted to be mighty. They were trying to build a nation, build a kingdom. But it all was in one family. It was in the family of Abraham. It was in the family of Israel. And we're trying to build a family. We're trying to build a kingdom. But it's in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to build a kingdom of McMurtry's. Okay? Now, I hope there's a whole bunch. I hope, you know. If I live to be 100, I hope when I die there's a whole bunch of McMurtry's. I hope my boys have a whole bunch of boys at the last name McMurtry, and there's just McMurtry's all over the place. I will be thrilled to death with that. But do you understand, while that's a wonderful thing and that's a fine goal to have as a human being, we have a greater calling, and that is to expand this family of Jesus Christ. And I need to be trying to grow that family as much as I possibly can. And I'm not saying forget about my McMurtry family while I try to grow the family of Jesus Christ. Okay, Absolutely, you shouldn't do that. But, I just, want, I just want you to understand the mindset of the Bible and what should be important to us and what we should be focused on is expanding that spiritual family. You see, in many ways, we're spiritual Levites. We're spiritual Levites. What does that mean? Well, in Numbers 3, verse 11, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "...and I behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, mine shall they be. I am the Lord." Okay? God chose the Levites to serve Him. Okay, the Levi, God originally, when they came out of Egypt, God said, I want all the firstborn. All the firstborns of all the tribes are mine. But then later, He changed it and He said, instead of all the firstborns, I want the Levites. That tribe is mine. And an interesting thing about the Levites, Numbers 2, verse 33, it says, but the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they pitched by their standards, and they set forward everyone after their families according to the house of their fathers. Why didn't they number the Levites? Okay? Well, the Levites, they were their role was strictly serving God, you know, working with the tabernacle, doing the sacrifices, and they weren't a part of the armies, they weren't a part of the military they had. And the Levites also didn't have a physical inheritance. They didn't have a certain part of the land. Numbers 18, verse 21, "...And behold, I have given the children of Levi, all the tenth in Israel, for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation." All the other tribes were supposed to tithe, and that was to take care of the Levites. Because they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have land. They didn't have cities that were theirs that were named after them that they owned. None of them had that. They just did the sacrifices. And so they gave... Uh, verse 24, "...but the tithes of the children of Israel, when they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance." Okay. And I'm trying to help you understand a mindset here. okay? Because remember, back then... Your family name, it was so important because your family name, while all the children of Israel were a part of the nation of Israel, each one of the tribes, they all had a name. Uh, they all had a part of the land of Israel. The, uh, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, it goes and it, get, it tells the borders of each of their areas. And then other leaders you know in those tribes their, whatever their name was, some, many of the cities were named after them, weren't they? And the cities were inhabited mostly by their family, by their descendants. And we don't we don't do that today, do we? Okay? That's not how we do things today. We don't name cities after ourselves. If I go and I have another ten kids, okay, and they all stay in this area, you know. I don't know how many I'd have to have before we get to change the name of this town to McMurtryville or whatever. You know, We just don't do that. And really, that, that's a pretty shallow goal. We don't need to do that. We've got more important things to do. You know what? The Lord might want my children, because they're believers, to go into different parts of the world and try to reach people with the Gospel. Which is far more important than me just building a name for myself here in America. But back then, that was what they were supposed to do. And today, we are like those spiritual Levites. Verse Revelation 1-5, "...and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever." That's one of the reasons we don't have an inheritance in this world. We're one of his priests now. We're just, we just serve him... We're trying to build the kingdom of God. We're trying to win people to Christ. And I believe that that, is, that should be our priority. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He said that in Hebrews. You know, The Hebrews understood the significance of approaching the throne of grace. Okay, That was something only the Levites can do. But all of us, if you're saved today, we can approach God at any time. We can go to God in prayer at any time without, the, without a high priest, an earthly high priest. We have Jesus Christ as our high priest. We, in a sense, are spiritual Levites. And so, uh, we, we, need, we need to understand that we are like them. We don't have an inheritance in this world. We're not trying to grow a name for ourselves in this world. We are trying to expand the family of Jesus Christ. We've not been commissioned to grow our family name but to grow the family of God. Okay? We have the great commission in the New Testament to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't command us to just go and all right, folks, we need to build the kingdom of God, so we need you all to go find places to live where you can grow your families and you know live in a compound somewhere, you know, like some of these cults do out west where you know you have you know 10 wives and 40 kids and you know just i mean you know about the you know those groups that are like that and there's a lot of people that are like that there's a lot of christian people that they get so focused on their family they literally move out they like to move out into the middle of nowhere somewhere where they can kind of go live on a farm they can kind of live off the grid and stuff and you know i understand the excitement in doing that you know because you know as this world gets going crazy it's like people become less and less appealing to me and living off the grid sounds pretty good and but at the same time I've got a job to do and how am I going to win people to Christ if I'm off you know living out in the middle of nowhere just focusing on my family I'm not going to be able to win people to Christ we need God God needs us to be around people he needs us to you know live in neighborhoods with lost people so we can be a light to them. How are we going to be a light if we're living out, you know, in Podunk Hall or, you know, Wyoming or something? I, it's we're not we're not going to be very effective, are we? And we've been called to grow the family of God, not to grow our family name. Numbers chapter twenty-seven. And once again, people they they like to use Old Testament examples, but I'm trying to show it was it was different back then. God was trying to raise a nation back then that could have His laws. He, he did commission them to do that. He told them over and over again in the Old Testament, you know, be fruitful and multiply. He wanted them to grow their families. He wanted them to teach them the right way. One of the reasons God chose Abraham is He knew Abraham would teach His children the right way. Okay? He didn't choose Abraham because He knew Abraham would be a good soul winner and He'd go and win a bunch of people to God. No, that wasn't what he was called to do. He was called to grow his family. But we've been called for something different. And, it, and I'm not going to take time to read all this, but if you go in Numbers chapter 27, verse 1, uh, it says, Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Macher, the son of Manasseh. So he's from the tribe of Manasseh, and Manasseh was the son of Joseph. So the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these are the names of his daughters. Mela, Noah. Pagla, Milka, and Terza. How'd you like to have a name Pagla, especially as a girl? Can you imagine what that poor girl would go through today? But anyway, but they went and basically they went before Moses because their father didn't have any sons. And it was important that there was a city that his name was not forgotten, but he didn't have any sons. And so they went and asked if they could have an inheritance, if they could have some land in the name of their father, and if you read it, uh, you know Moses went and talked to God about it, and he said it would be okay, but they needed to marry men that were from the same tribe, that were from the tribe of Manasseh, and they did. They married men, and then they went and they had kids, and they raised up uh, a family or a city in the name of Zelophehad. Okay? That was important back then. But is that what we're supposed to do? Does anybody in here think that it, God wants there to be, you know, a Stellmacherville or you know, a Robinette, you know, Villar or whatever? Is that what we're trying to do today? Is that what, is there any indication in the New Testament that we are? I mean, we are supposed to be just expanding our physical family so we can get our name out there, and eventually, you know what? Maybe even, you know, has God picked a family? Is there a family in the world today that's supposed to have a geographical location where they're supposed to be, you know, building a name for themselves? And many Christians will say, yes, yeah, it's called Israel. You know, they've got a land. No, they, yeah, we know better than that around here. Okay, we know, we know better than that. But listen, it, there was, you can see what God was trying to do then, and that's not what we're doing now. We are not trying to raise a nation for ourselves. That is not our job as Christians. We're supposed to be growing the family name, but we're talking about our spiritual family. And that is, and go to Philemon chapter 1, verse 10. This is interesting. Philemon chapter 1, and verse 10. This is Paul talking, and he says, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. Wait a minute, where did Paul get a son? Paul was never married. He said, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Wait a minute. How does he? Ha- so he's in jail. He's in bonds. How does he have a child? How does he have a son while he's in prison? Well, he probably led him to the Lord in prison, didn't he? And he called him his son. He was talking about his son in the faith. You know, Paul was not married, but Paul had a big family, didn't he? Paul, I mean, you can see it in his writings. There were all these people he was always naming, people that he loved, people that he would call his brothers and sisters and sons because he he had a family, but not a physical family. And he he just spread the gospel wherever we could. And you know, there used to be laws about who the children of Israel could marry, Because there were certain nations that God didn't want being a part of the nation of Israel. There were certain, I mean, like the people like the Moabites, which is interesting because, you know, Ruth was a Moabite and she was in the line of Christ. But there were all kinds of people. God said, I do not want you marrying these people. They have strange gods. They're going to bring their gods in. They're going to mess you all up. They're going to corrupt you. These are cursed people. But you know what? The Bible says now in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 24, it says, And God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeth he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Do you notice that? He said He's made us all of one blood. Why is it that we don't see anything in the New Testament about not marrying people from other countries, now we do see we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Well, why should not we be unequally yoked with unbelievers? Why should a saved person not marry a lost person or marry? Why should a saved person marry a, not marry a lost person? Well, they're from a completely different family. I mean, they're completely foreign. But in the New Testament, the age we live in. God's made all of us of one blood, and I personally believe that if a per, as long as a person's a believer, they can be a part of our family, can't they? We don't look at one group and say, you know, because they're from another nation, they're not allowed to be a part of this church. We don't we don't do that. Did you know in the Old Testament there were certain there were certain people? Or well, if they weren't a Jew, there were certain parts of the temple they couldn't even go into. If you weren't a Levite, uh, you know, certain uh, the the closest parts inside the temple, you had to be a Levite. Some of the outer areas, you had to be a Jew. And then they had another outer court that was forced Gentiles that could go to. But then people like the Moabites and other groups, they weren't even allowed in those areas. But what did Jesus tell us when He gave us that great commission? He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every preacher. So we can a part of this family that we have, we can get people in this family that are every color that's out there from every nation of the world. I mean, and that ought to, that ought to excite us. That is, a, that is a wonderful thing. And because it is different now, it's not about raising up a race. It's not about raising up a family name. We are trying to grow the family name of Jesus Christ and we are allowed to include anybody that's a human, aren't we? If they're a human, we are allowed to include them. And I think, that, I think that's exciting. I mean, we, do, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over this world and other countries. People that don't look like us. People that talk in a different language than we do. And we're, I mean, and in our country, too, And in, you know, we, we send out missionaries to those countries. We have people that go and they learn a language, they learn a culture, so they can go to a people completely different than them. Why, why would somebody do that? Okay, why didn't we see them doing that in the Old Testament? Because that wasn't what they were supposed to do in the Old Testament. They were supposed to be growing their physical family. But today, we're supposed to be growing our spiritual family and we do that by going into all the world. And so that's why we do that. That's why we have missionaries today and they didn't back then. That's why in the Old Testament, you don't see much going on outside the borders of Israel unless it was because Israel had gotten taken captive and pulled from their land. They, they, they wanted to stay in their own land, didn't they? But is that what we're supposed to do? No, man, we, we go all over the place. I mean, Christians, we go places where we're not even wanted. We've got missionaries that go places where it's not even legal for them to go, but they go anyway, and they go in secret. Why? Because they're trying to grow the family of Christ, and that is the most important thing we can do. It's the most it's it's, it's the most exciting thing, and the truth is, the highest calling for anybody. A lot of these family groups. Okay, and I am all for the. Fa- I said I am all for family, and as I preach on this, you're gonna you're gonna see just how. Traditional, I am on family and everything, but I'm telling you, we've got to make sure we keep our priorities in line. And one of the things that's often said, and they always like to say this to girls especially, and you know what? It's just, it's not biblically accurate. They always like to tell girls, God's highest calling for you is to be a wife and a mother. Okay? Now, listen, that is wonderful for a girl to be a wife and a mother. I know feminism has made that look bad. Feminism has brought women down so much, it's not even funny. but listen, if God's highest calling is for you to be in the will of God, and in the New Testament, we see some things that goes against that. But look at First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 27, First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 27, look what it says. It says, "Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed." Okay? In other words, if you're married, don't try to get unmarried. I'm about to tell you all something here that can I'm going to tell you all something that's going to be able to help you to be a better Christian, a better servant of God, okay? But listen, if you are married, don't don't shoot for this, folks, okay? If you're married, don't shoot for this. If you're bound to a wife, don't seek to be loose. If you're loose from a wife, seek not a wife. Said so if you're not married, don't seek to be married. And if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Okay, if you do get, if you do end up getting married, you're not a sinner because you got married. Okay, you young men, young ladies, you know, if you get married, you didn't sin. But look what it says. Um, it says thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. But this I say, brethren, that the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though that they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Okay? A person who does not have a family, they're going to have more time to serve the Lord, aren't they? They're going to have a greater ability to serve the Lord, especially, too, if it's at a time of persecution like they were often in. I mean, you know, one of the things... You know, you might, I might not be scared for myself dying, but I'd be worried about my family. I don't want my kids to grow up without a father. I don't want my wife to be without a husband. But a person who's single, they don't have to worry about that. Verse 33, "...but he that marrieth is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife." You know, God, we always got to make sure our wives are happy. You know, I mean, all husbands, man, we're just ready to serve God. We're ready to charge, you know, hell with a squirt gun. You know, we're ready, to, but then, you know, we got we got to make sure we keep the wives happy. You know, right? <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, picking on the women, but it says. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So the wives have the same problems that we do. You know, they got to worry about pleasing the husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may be attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinketh that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power of his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better." The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth but if her husband be dead she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord but she is happier if she so abide after my judgment and I think also that I have the spirit of God. So basically what all's been said here Paul is saying if a man has a daughter and he does not and he gives her away in marriage he he's you haven't sinned. You're in fact you're doing good. But if you do not give your daughter a marriage and she just serves the Lord all her life, you've done better. He says, and he's like, this is how I feel about it. He said, I believe I have the Spirit of God. And he was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he wrote this. So understand, even for a female, the highest calling is not to be a wife and mother. It can be to be a servant of God. And unfortunately, most parents they hate the thought of that. Oh man, I can't allow my wife to grow up without ever getting married and having children. Hey, listen. If that's what God calls her to do, then that's a wonder that's wonderful. If she but she might not want to. She might want to be a wife, she might want to have kids, and if she does, nothing wrong with that. But just understand That type of teaching, you don't see that in the Old Testament, do you? But in the New Testament, you can because that young lady, I mean, she's going to have the ability to win many people to Christ. She's going to be able to... I mean, listen, being a wife and a mother is hard, hard work. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of hours. And all of you wives and mothers in here, just imagine how much time you would have to serve the Lord if... You didn't have a husband to take care of, and you didn't have kids to take care of. I mean, man, you would have a lot of time. But the problem is, most women these days who don't have wives or don't have husbands and children, they're like the ones that the Bible talks about that are idle, tattlers, busybodies in other men's matters, going from house to house. And, And listen, that's not serving the Lord, okay? Making sure everybody knows all the news in town, that's not serving the Lord. But if they're serving the Lord, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Matthew chapter nineteen, verse nine through twelve. We're not going to take time to read it, but Jesus talks about. Uh, he talks about eunuchs, and a eunuch is someone who cannot have children. And he mentions a few different kinds He talked. He said there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men. They, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys, they serve the king, and they, they made them eunuchs, and that's a horrible thing. I don't want to describe here in church, but there is some be some eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Did you know? Right here, Jesus is saying there are some people that are born with, and they don't have the desire to be married. They don't have the desire of a woman. Now, what do we call those people today? We call them all, you know, sodomites and we call them all homosexuals and we we you know call them perverts because they're not interested in women. Listen, maybe God just didn't want them to get married. Maybe they're just supposed to be serving the Lord. And there's people like that. There's there I know I know of men that they've never been married. Never been married, not had a wife. They're not looking for a wife, and these people are serving the Lord with their entire life. I mean, I could, I would have a lot more time to serve the Lord. You know, every every year, my wife and kids they go away and they visit some of their friends for a week. Do you know how much stuff I get done in that week? I mean, man, I get so much stuff done in that week. It's not even funny. I kind, I kind of enjoy it. After about a week, I'm ready for them to come back, but. Understand, it's not for everybody. Okay, so he said, "Him that's able to receive it, let him receive it." God didn't make me to be that way. I'm very thankful that I have a wife. I'm thankful that I have kids. I need those things. I will, I am not, I'm not that. Okay, but if you have a if you have a son one of these days and he comes and man, he's just he's not interested. You know, don't don't panic. Maybe the Lord just wants him to spend his whole life serving him. nobody's teaching this stuff today. Nobody's teaching this stuff and we need to understand that you know serving the Lord is a wonderful privilege. Oh but you know he needs to get married and have kids so I have grandkids and he can build my family name. We have not been called to build our family name. We've been called to build the name of Jesus Christ. I hope my, I hope all my kids get married and have children. That is my will for their life. That is my hope. I want to ha- I want to have grandkids. I want there to be a bunch of, you know, McMurtry. I, I you know, especially the boys, cuz their la- those grandkids last name are going to be McMurtry. I want there to be a bunch of McMurtrys. And there's nothing wrong with that, but understand I want them to be in God's will more than anything else. And if God wants them to just spend their whole life serving him and it's and they never get married, oh well. Same thing for my daughters. I, I, want, I, just, I want them to be happy. And if that means getting married and having kids, that would be wonderful. But if God just calls them to be a servant and they never get married, so the world, look at that. Oh, those poor girls. Those old maids. You know those, And what a horrible thing. Hey, that's not a horrible thing. Serving God is the best thing in the world you can possibly do. The best thing you can possibly do. And the key to being great, we see, it's not being the leader, it's not being the head of this big family. We see in the Bible that the way to be the greatest is to be the servant. See, Jesus' disciples were constantly fighting over who was going to be the greatest. You know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It was all about, you know, who I can be, what you know, getting my name way up there, being high up in the ranks, but Jesus said the way to be the greatest is is to be the servant. And so, but most people, they're not thinking about that. How can I be great? How can I build my name? How can I really be something? Hey, you can be great by serving God. You can be great by devoting your life to just serving the Lord in the shadows. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what your name is. Maybe nobody even really knows what you're doing, but God knows what you're doing. You're being a blessing to people. I know, I know, I know one young lady who, I mean, she, she's, I'm not sure how old she is now. She's got to be getting in her upper 20s. She's not been married yet. But you know what? She's been all over the place just serving the Lord. She's gone over. She's helped missionaries in other countries. She's helping a pastor and a church out in the middle of nowhere right now. And this young lady, she has been a huge blessing to so many people just serving the Lord. And people will look at that and all that poor girl, you know, she's almost 30 and not married. Hey, I, don't, I think God is very pleased. With what she's doing, I believe she's doing something great with her life, and I, I believe that you know she ought to be proud, and her parents are very proud. They're very proud of her, and rightfully so. And I'm telling you, we need to get our head screwed on straight with this. We should be working to build the kingdom of God, not our own kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That comes first. I want everybody to have a good family. I want to have a good family. I don't want to lose my kids. I want my kids to grow up and serve the Lord. I want my kids to be happy. I want to be a good father. I want all that stuff. But understand, the best way to protect your family, the best way to raise a good family, you've got to have your priorities right. And if I say family first, God second, I'm going to mess it all up kingdom of god first and then family. And that's the way to do it. And you know what? Many people are losing their families because they're being selfish with what with something that's not theirs. My family that I have, they were they are a gift that God has given me. They're not really mine. God gave them to me. And so, I'm not allowed to just do what I want with some something that's not really mine. It ultimately belongs to God. If God wants them to be a servant, I I do. I want grandkids around. But what if God calls one of my kids to be a missionary into a foreign country? I'm barely ever going to get to see my family. I'm barely ever going to get to see those grandkids unless I make enough money. I can go take trips over there all the time. It's probably, it's pro- and that's going to stink. That'll be hard. If I were to see them go fly off in an airplane to go to some foreign country, I'm t- I'll probably bawl my eyes out. But at the same time, I can tell you, I will be so proud. It wouldn't even be funny. And I would, I would feel like a success as a father as long as they are in the will of God because this isn't about building my kingdom. I would love it if you know 20 years from now, I mean, think about it. 20 years from now with six kids, if all their spouses went here and all my grandkids were here, I mean, good night. We'd have a good-sized church just with all my family. But you know what? If There's a good chance God's probably going to call them to different places to be servants in different places because I'm not trying to build my family name here. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to teach my kids that. I'm supposed to teach them to build the family of God. And many parents, they're not raising their children to serve the Lord, but they're raising them to be nothing more than trophies that they can parade around and impress people with. Hey, look at my little stair-step children, all well-behaved in their matching outfits, always saying, yes sir, yes ma'am. Wow, you know, how do you get your kids so good? Well, I make sure they're never around other kids. I never let them go to Sunday school. I never let them... You know, I, I, you know, We live out in the middle of nowhere... And we do everything all by ourselves because I don't want my kids being influenced by all your other little devils that you got running around. Well, here's the thing: one of these days, those kids they need to grow up, and they need to become start their own families, and eventually they're going to face some opposition. And you know what? Church can kind of be a good training ground for some of that. You know, it's okay to have your family around people to a certain extent. You know, you don't want to open them up to you know certain things but i mean you know church is a pretty safe environment i grew up in church and i turned out okay well (laughs) you know i think you're gonna i think you're gonna be safe but you know what they are they're trying to keep them for themselves and matthew chapter 16 verse 24 then said jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you're try, if you trying to save your life, oh, my kids are my life. My kids are my everything. Okay, but well, you try to save them, what does the Bible say? You're going to lose it. But if you will lose it, you'll find it. And you know how we've been trying to raise our kids? And... And part of this is just because of what we've seen from these people that are all about the family. Okay? Because the people I've known, I've been around for a while. I went to one church for, you know, a whole generation, for 20 some years. These people that live their whole lives and it's just about their family, when their kids grow up, their families always stink. They lose them every time. And I believe it's because they're trying to save them. And so, you know what? We decided from the get go we are going to raise our children. Get this to lose them. Eventually, I want my kids my kids are going to grow up and they're going to leave the house. They're going to go and they're going to have their own families and they're going to do their own things and we're raising them for that. We're preparing them for that. They may go off and be a missionary in another country or move to another state and serve the Lord somewhere else. But you know what, as long as they're serving the Lord, I don't care. You know what, we when we had all our children, we had dedications for them. We gave them back to the Lord. Lord, you gave them us we're going to serve them. we're going to we're going to train them according to your word but i want my children to serve the lord and that might mean they go somewhere else that might mean i lose them in a in a sense but you know what i believe that that's the way that you will actually get to keep them and so you need to do that the christian family okay in here today we are the christian family And that is the most important family. That's the one we are trying to grow. That's the one we are trying to strengthen. And don't get your priorities wrong when it comes to families. The word family is only in the New Testament. One time, talking about the family of Jesus Christ, and you are not doing your family any service at all by neglecting the family of God for them you will ultimately hurt them. Don't do that. So with that, let's all stand together.